0: The incredible ride has come to an end. The Sacramento Kings are eliminated from the playoffs by the defending champion Golden State Warriors in Game 7, done in by one bad quarter and some horrendous rebounding. You are listening to Locked on Kings.
1: You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now... Ladies and gentlemen, it is that time, time for another episode of Locked on King.
0: Hello and welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all postseason, now offseason long. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer for ABC 10 News and I didn't want the ride to end. One more time, please. Can we go again? I'm not ready for the offseason. I'm not ready for this to be the last time I'm in this building until maybe the California Classic or the NBA draft or whatever it is. I want more Kings basketball. I wasn't ready to see this Kings season come to an end. The Sacramento Kings had more than a great chance of defeating the Golden State Warriors in this game seven this afternoon and punching their ticket to the next round. And how appropriate would it have been for the Kings to move on and then have home court advantage against the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, It's all a dream at this point. It's all up to our imagination. And now we look forward to next year. We're going to cover a lot of things in this podcast. The present the future. Uh, Of course I have some thank yous to give out as well Uh, but really we got to talk about what happened in this game specifically and how the Sacramento Kings ended up losing to the Golden State Warriors 120-100. to It's sickening that technically you could classify this as a blowout. That the Sacramento Kings remain winless in the sack era in game 7s. Of course losing on your home floor again is really tough to say that the Warriors blew the Kings out. Just doesn't feel right uh, given how competitive this series has been how competitive this first half was but in reality the Golden State Warriors kicked the living crap out of the Sacramento Kings in the second half and they did it on the glass look there's no shame in losing to the defending champion Golden State Warriors they're champions for a reason. Four time champions. They're a dynasty for a reason. There's no shame in losing to Steph Curry doing what nobody has done in game seven, uh, in a game seven before. There's no shame in that. There is shame, though, in how the third quarter went. There's shame in losing because you completely fell apart uh, on, on the glass. There's shame in struggling to, to to not just hit shots all series, but struggling in the second half shooting-wise and, and, and going away from what is normally the success of the Sacramento Kings, getting to the paint, spraying for open threes or outside shots. Even if those shots aren't falling, you can live with the Kings missing good looks. It's hard to live with the Kings missing bad looks rushing and forcing shots on the offensive end of the floor where it actually looked like the fatigue catched up to the Kings or caught up to the Kings more than it caught up to the Golden State Warriors, which is not what I expected in this Game 7 given the pace that both these teams were playing at. And then to be abused the way the Sacramento Kings were on the glass. The Warriors had two offensive rebounds. Two offensive rebounds at halftime. They had 13 offensive rebounds in the third quarter alone that led to 11 second chance points you know I asked head coach Mike Brown after the game about the sting of of the Kings being abused on the off uh, offensive glass by the Warriors the sting of how that third quarter went the Kings completely falling apart the wheels falling off and the Warriors taking full control and he said there are two things that are going to stick with him over the course of this offseason now, as he watches the remainder of the playoffs from his couch and, and and goes into the long, hot summer months preparing for next season. He said it's it's going to be the, the, the offensive rebounding or the, uh, the, the poor job in the glass that the Sacramento Kings did, and then how poorly the Kings shot from the free-throw line, 16 of 27 from the free-throw line. That's 59.3%. Now, any Kings historians out there might know, Game 7, 2002, Kings-Lakers, Free throw shooting didn't go so great in that game as well. However, that game, it was a little more difficult to swallow, not only because it was the Western Conference Finals, of course, but the fact that that game went into overtime and literally the Kings hit a couple more free throws and they win that game. That wasn't necessarily the case in this one. Like Free throw shooting didn't do the Kings in, but certainly better free throw shooting, better rebounding. Mike Brown said that if the Kings did better in those two areas in this game, he thinks that they could have overcome the incredible Steph Curry performance and still had a chance to win. Instead, that third quarter was a complete collapse for the Sacramento Kings. Offensively, they weren't getting good shots. They looked tired. Uh, their shots were short. They were forced. They were rushed. They couldn't grab a rebound. They couldn't box anybody out, especially Kavon Looney, who I'm going to talk about in just a second. And then from the free throw line, they were bad all night long. Now, actually, so were the Golden State Warriors, which also, I think, speaks to the fatigue uh, of this series with the pace that both teams were playing at. But if I'm giving out an MVP of this series, I'm giving it to Gavon Looney. And to me, it's not even close. That includes, of course, how uh, what an incredible series that, that Steph Curry has. And of course, if Steph Curry doesn't play, the Golden State Warriors don't win this series. Like You don't have to make a case for Steph Curry. I understand how incredible he is, and I'm going to talk about him more in a second. But Kevon Looney was instrumental to every bit of success that the Golden State Warriors had in this series, and I give him full credit. I know there are Golden State Warrior fans watching. I know you're already doing Victory laps on Twitter. I know you've already messaged me or hit me up on Twitter. You're probably in the comment section right now if you're watching on YouTube, or, or however you're reaching me. Have at it. You deserve to, because I was dead wrong about Kevon Looney. I was dead wrong. I thought DeMontis Sabonis was going to dominate Kevon Looney in the, in this series. I thought the Warriors weren't going to have any uh, answer for Sabonis. Look, the reality is DeMontis Sabonis was the rebounding leader, the rebounding king of the regular season, Kevon Looney just led the league in offensive rebounds. Well, Kevon Looney put DeMontis Sabonis to absolute shame in this series, completely outplayed him. To me, Kevon Looney is absolutely the MVP of this series. Tonight, 11 points, 21 rebounds, 10 of those offensive rebounds, also had four assists. He had three 20 or more rebound games in this series. He's the first to do that since a guy named Dwight Howard in 2008. And I, I saw this online. I don't know if it's accurate or not, but I think Kavon Looney is like the 29th highest paid center or something like that, meaning there are 28 other centers in the league that are paid more than him. Talk about great value for the Golden State Warriors. He is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Steve Kerr said after the game he thinks Kevon Looney is one of the best centers in the league. He certainly played like it uh, in this series. So look, I am happy whenever I'm wrong to admit that I'm wrong. I have no problem with that. Uh, Even if it bruises the ego, I have no problem putting that aside. I'm wrong about a lot of of things. I was dead wrong about Kevon Looney. Uh, I already had respect for Looney's game. I just didn't think he was on Sabonis' level. I still don't think skill-wise he's on Sabonis' level, but Skill doesn't really matter. What matters is if you're doing your job and helping your team win. Kevon Looney did that better than DeMontis Sabonis did all series long. He is my MVP of this series. Now, of course, let's talk about Steph Curry and what he did in this game. I had a feeling. I just knew that Steph Curry was going to have a big game. Right, And I was having a conversation with my partner, Kevin John, and I think I already talked about this after game six. When we were driving up to game six, I was saying, look, the Golden State Warriors don't have to play at their best in this game because they know if they lose, they can fight another day and they can survive. I think it takes your back being against the wall. It takes that pressure, that demand, that need to perform to bring the best out of players. For Steph Curry, he did it all, I mean he's done it most of his career, but he, he, he did it all uh, last season when he dragged the Golden State Warriors to that championship last year. And here he is in Game 7, a game that the Golden State Warriors can't lose on the road. He carried the Warriors in this game. With the exception of the rebounding that the Warriors and Kevon Looney did in the third quarter. When it comes to offense, it was Steph Curry. It was the Steph Curry show. Klay Thompson didn't have a great game. Andrew Wiggins was pretty quiet. Jordan Poole's been a disaster almost as the entire series, if we're being completely honest. Draymond Green certainly didn't have his 21-point performance that he had in Game 5 uh, in this building. The rest of the Warriors did fine, but it was Steph Curry and his 50-point performance that brought the Warriors to this Game 7 win, and to be honest with you, it's I, I completely expected it. I, I wouldn't say I came into this game saying, hey, Steph Curry's going to drop 50 tonight. Although, when we were in, uh, at, uh, in, in the back in the media area during halftime, a couple of people were saying, Steph's going for 40. I'm like, oh, man, I think Steph's going for 50. The way that this game is going, like, he... He needed to perform that way. Ultimately, the Warriors, of course, won by 20 points, so maybe he could have scored 30 or 31, and the Warriors would have been just fine. But I think Steph Curry, this is who he is on the biggest stages. This is who when he shines the brightest. I mean, a 50-point, 20 of 38 shooting, 7 three-pointer, 8 rebounds, 6 assist performance. The first 50-point game in a Game 7 In NBA history, I gushed earlier on in the series about how magnificent and spectacular Steph Curry is and how lucky we are to watch him. I don't need to go into all that again, but the biggest stars step up on the biggest stages. It doesn't get any bigger than Game 7, whether it's in the first round or the NBA Finals or the Western Conference Finals, it does not matter. Game 7s are are that ultimate stage where the stars shine brightest. Now, i got to be careful here because I don't want this to sound like I'm dragging De'Aaron Fox. But you have Steph Curry scoring 50. You have De'Aaron Fox scoring 16. Fox had 16 points, shot 5 of 19 from the field, 6 assists, had 5 turnovers in this game. Full clarification, De'Aaron Fox was not 100% healthy. We know this, right? Playing with a fractured finger, we've seen the impact that that had over these last three games, like De'Aaron Fox at the beginning of the series versus how De'Aaron Fox ended the series. Completely different. Of course, his finger has a lot to do with that. It's a its a shame, really, for everybody that we didn't get to see the best of De'Aaron Fox for all seven games against the best of Steph Curry uh, for all seven games like the Warriors got not saying the Warriors won this series because Fox got hurt or for any injury reasons or whatever. The, the Warriors deserve to win this series. They fought back. They won two road games. The Warriors absolutely deserved to win this series, and I give them full credit. I'm also not bashing De'Aaron because this is the first time he's been on this stage in this moment. And Steph Curry has lived in these moments and made an entire career, a Hall of Fame career, a greatest of all time, uh, at least shooting-wise career, one of the greatest of all time, certainly, uh, period, on stages like this. So I didn't expect De'Aaron Fox to match Steph Curry toe-for-toe. My, my, my point in bringing it up is you can see the difference, right? You can see the difference between the st- the status and ability of Steph Curry in, in a Game 7 and, and him being that just superstar and where De'Aaron still has to go. It was a rough game for him. He has built-in excuses. By the way, he's not making excuses for himself. We can make all the excuses we want for him. He's not making excuses. He knows that he could have played better. He knows the entire Sacramento Kings team could have played better. He's not going to whine. He's not going to complain. He's going to bounce back, and I fully expect De'Aaron to be back on this stage next year and De'Aaron Fox to shine. Look, in general... This is the first time we got to see De'Aaron Fox on the playoff stage, and he lived up to my expectations. In fact, in, in some ways, he exceeded my expectations. I believed for a long time, and I said it many times here on Locked on Kings, once De'Aaron Fox gets to this stage, he's going to absolutely shine, and he's going to become a household name. He's done that. He absolutely has done that. So even if Steph Curry vastly outperformed him, him here in this Game 7 De'Aaron Fox has established himself as a star in this league, and people are finally taking notice of what he is doing and what he has been building and has built in a lot of ways here in Sacramento. I thought Mike Brown at times got a little too cute with his lineups. I think Mike Brown stuck with Terrence Davis defending Steph Curry way too long. Terrence Davis did an excellent job or did a really solid job defending uh, Steph Curry and the Warriors in Game 6, and I think Mike Brown was trying to replicate that a little bit. Plus, Terrence Davis came in and offensively provided a spark for the Sacramento Kings, which was good. But Steph Curry feasted on Terrence Davis guarding him. Absolutely feasted. Now, I don't know if anybody could have guarded and stopped uh, Steph the way he was playing tonight. I would have liked to see more Davion Mitchell guarding Steph Curry the way Davion has been guarding Curry for the majority of this series. I think Mike Brown going away from him was a or for as as many minutes as he did, I think was a mistake. Now, I will point this out. When Davion Mitchell was on the floor, the Golden State Warriors were not guarding him period. He was standing in the corner or on the wing where he needs to stand in order to give the Kings and their offense a proper space and nobody was within three feet of him. They were daring him to shoot. They could care less about him shooting. And Davion Mitchell's defender was prowling the paint waiting for DeMontis Sabonis or De'Aaron Fox or somebody to come in and attack the basket where they can instantly double team and, 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 and take away that shooting lane and take away those passing lanes. So Davion Mitchell being in the game I think would have been much better defensively for the Sacramento Kings trying to guard Steph Curry. However, Terrence Davis was much better for Sacramento's offensive spacing. So I think, again, I think Mike Brown went a little too long on Terrence Davis guarding Steph Curry. It's not the reason why the Sacramento Kings lost, but that's definitely a factor. I also think Mike Brown should have gone to Trey Lyles a little bit earlier. I think Trey Lyles is fantastic. And going into this offseason where we don't know where Trey Lyles is going to end up, I certainly, certainly hope we're going to see Trey back in a Kings uniform here in Sacramento uh, uh, next season. Speaking of Mike Brown, uh, here's how he opened up his uh, post-game press conference after the Kings were eliminated.
2: You know, obviously, we wish we were still playing, uh, but this is part of part of the sport. Um, we'll be better uh, from this experience uh, going forward. Uh, our guys are definitely hurting right now, uh, which obviously they should be. Uh, but I got a lot of gratitude for every man in that locker room, um, not just the players, uh, but the medical performance staff, uh, the coaching staff. Uh, and everybody else in the front office. The organization um, was terrific this year. And, um, you know, again, you wish you could have uh, gotten more, uh, especially for the city and for the fans. But uh, nobody in our organization should uh, be dropping their heads right now. The reality of it is they they showed their experience. Uh, They absolutely kicked our behind. Um, on the glass, I mean, Kevon Looney was unbelievable. I mean, he was unbelievable. Uh, to have 10 offensive rebounds, um, you know, you got to give them credit. Even Wiggs, Wiggs with four offensive rebounds. Um, they had 13 offenses, and we talked about it too. We said, hey, the third quarter is their quarter. We got to make sure that we buckle down and and we go get it, and um, they had 13 offensive rebounds in that third quarter alone. And it's going to be hard to win, obviously, if you give up, you know, 16, uh, 18 offensive rebounds for 24 second chance points, uh, and then on top of that, um, we, you know, we were 16 for 27 from the free throw line. Um, we didn't, we didn't knock down free throws when we had an opportunity. So when you, when you lose the battle. The way we did, in, in, in those two areas, uh, it's going to be tough. Especially when you have have a, a guy like Steph Curry on the opponent on, on your opponent's team. Uh, Steph was he, he was elite. He did what he was supposed to do. He put these guys on his back, and he said, "We're not losing tonight." And I am going to make sure that that happens. So you give Steph a, 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 a ton of credit for doing exactly what he was supposed to do. Heck of a performance by
0: him. This episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. Well, it's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts or accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure that every part that you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green checkmark to know that your part will fit or you get your money back because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop at eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from. You'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the parts fit. And the right prices on eBay Motors are available for you. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is going to sting for a while. I think this is going to hang with the Sacramento Kings for probably the entire summer. This is going to sting for me. This is probably going to sting for you Kings fans. It's going to sting for the coaching staff. It's going to sting for the arena workers. It's going to sting for everybody. It's going to certainly sting for the front office in a lot of ways, too. The Kings know they could have defeated the champs. The Kings know they could have moved on. The Kings know that they didn't play their best basketball for a good portion of the series, especially... Offensively, Now, I give them all the credit in the world for how they were able to step up defensively and played that better defense consistently in this series than they did at any point during the season. That was a pleasant surprise and something certainly to build off of. I don't know how much of that has to do with the physicality of the playoffs and how the Kings can defend uh, without as many foul calls being called against them just because that's how the uh, uh, playoffs are officiated or not. I don't know if that was the factor. Either way, defensively, the Sacramento Kings played excellent in these playoffs, and that gives me a lot of optimism and hope for the future. Offensively, though, this Kings team was a major letdown in a lot of ways. This summer is going to sting knowing the Kings could go forward, but what matters is if you build upon it. This sound clip that I'm about to play for you, this was an answer from De'Aaron Fox to a question he was asked about if the sting is a good thing during this offseason, growing from that sting. I thought De'Aaron Fox's answer to this question was... Excellent. Take a listen to the leadership here of De'Aaron Fox and the wisdom of De'Aaron Fox here uh, after losing his first and only playoff series.
1: We talked about it in the locker room, like you want this thing to to last for for a little while. Um, like I said, you you use this as a building block. You know, I'm, I'm 25. Tomas 26. Kev's 24. Davion's 24. Luke's 25. Like Keegan's 22. We have guys who are not even close to their prime. We have guys who were in their first and second years. Um, we have guys who are not even on their second contracts yet that are playing big minutes. Like we as a team have a ways to go and you'd rather, yeah, we lost in seven games to defending champs. You'd rather happen that way than not make the playoffs. So like I said, this is this is something that you want to be able to build off of. And we talked about it before. Um, some teams have had this and then you fall off or some teams have had this and they kept going up. So. Um, you you continue to go into the off season, You work on what you need to work on. You come back together, and you you try to be better.
0: I thought De'Aaron Fox's perspective there was fantastic, and he's absolutely right. Like this team has a ton of room to grow. The expectation is that they do grow. Of course, there are going to be expectations on next season. I'll get into that a little bit. But speaking of perspective, let's look at this from the perspective of coming into this year, right? Considering the Sacramento Kings went from the longest playoff drought in NBA history to a 48-win season, a third seed, taking the defending champions to seven games, they played the Warriors 11 times this season. That's something that De'Aaron Fox pointed out in postgame. I didn't even cross my mind. Like, the Kings and Warriors played 11 times this year because they're divisional rivals and they had a best-of-seven series. That's the most that you can play a team in a year. 11 times these two teams met. And I can guarantee you, in fact, I know for a fact, because uh, Steve Kerr said it before the game, the Golden State Warriors damn sure respect the Sacramento Kings for how hard they fought uh, all season long and uh, how quickly they've turned things around. And De'Aaron's absolutely right. This team can grow. This team can build. But now that's the expectation. This year was all vibes. This year was all fun. This year was like a ride and, and, and was a surprise for many of us. And it was just an incredible year in so many ways. Now the Kings have to build upon it. That means Monty McNair and the Kings front office have some work to do this offseason. Mike Brown has work to do with that group come training camp and next year. Individual work needs to be done. The Kings need to get back to this stage and need to go further on this stage. That's the expectation for next year. And we're going to talk about this more uh, during the uh, upcoming episodes in the offseason and so on and so forth. Another thing we're going to ask, we have to ask some serious questions about Kevin Herter. And Harrison Barnes, because as good as they were at times during the regular season, I'm a big fan of Kevin Herter, big fan of both those guys, and I've defended for a long time. Like, how do you replace Harrison Barnes? Harrison Barnes is essential. Harrison Barnes is great. Part of what was so important about the Kings getting this playoff experience is Monty McNair getting the context of who's ready for this stage and who's going to help us win on this stage and who's not. And the reality is, both Kevin Herter and Harrison Barnes were major letdowns in the playoffs. Kevin Herter tonight. Seven points, two of nine shooting from the field, one of six from three-point range, nine rebounds in 28 minutes. For the series, he averaged nine points per game, shot 34% from the field, 20% from three-point range, four rebounds, and one assist in the series. That's tough from your starting shooting guard. Then Harrison Barnes tonight, four points, zero rebounds, zero assists, only played 13 minutes. Some of it matchup-based to get minutes from Malik Monk and and, and Terrence Davis and, and stuff like that, but that's not enough from your starting uh, small forward. Barnes for the series, averaged 10 points, 41% shooting from the field, 24% from three-point range, three rebounds, and one steal. Not saying the Kings should trade both of them. I'm not saying, well, Harrison Barnes is a free agent. I'm not saying the Kings should absolutely get rid of them or move on from them or they absolutely have to be replaced or anything like that. But these are questions that Monty McNair has to ask himself this offseason. These are conversations we're going to get in at a later time. But we're going to start with exit interviews tomorrow. The Sacramento Kings will have like eight players or, or so um, come and, and, and do press conferences for us. So I'll have all of that audio for you. And we'll start asking these questions and having these off season conversations starting uh, tomorrow. For right now, we're still focused on the present. The Sacramento Kings losing the Golden State Warriors. It stings. It sucks. But overall, of course, this has been just a fantastic season. This episode of the Long on Kings podcast is also brought to you by BetterHelp. Look, I've been telling you all season long about the importance of therapy and I hope that lesson has stuck with you. This is not just an advertisement. I'm not just being paid to say this. Therapy is something that's extremely important to me. It's something that I started going to and using and seeing a therapist uh, during COVID. It's changed my life. It's changed my family's relationship. Helped me unpack a lot of big things and one thing that I will continue to say over and over again is that no problem is too big or too small for therapy. It's always good to talk it out. Mental health is extremely important. That's why I encourage everybody to give therapy a try at least once, and if you're considering starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. If you fill out or you'll just fill out a brief questionnaire and you'll get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, and that's important because sometimes you don't find the right fit right away. I got very lucky. The first therapist I saw I established a bond with, a great relationship with, uh, and he's been extremely important uh, in my life for years now, if your first or second therapist that you give a try doesn't necessarily work, don't give up. You can switch and try and find the right therapist for you. For more, with more balance, go to BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com today. Uh, use Locked On NBA to get ten percent off your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P.com/lockedonnba. Before we wrap up this podcast. For those of you who are continuing to watch and listen, I appreciate you so, so, so much. I just have to express my gratitude really quick and it's it's to the Sacramento Kings organization to the players to the coaches like Mike Brown has been absolutely phenomenal the players have been absolutely phenomenal putting up with me putting up with the questions of the media sometimes our takes on social media or whatever it is like they do an amazing job Uh, the PR team uh, here of of Sacramento or the Sacramento Kings of course the in-game entertainment team is incredible the arena workers the front office uh, everybody And then, of course, to you, Sacramento Kings fans. Like, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for just an unbelievable season. An unbelievable season in so many ways. It's just been such an incredible ride that I'm so blessed to be a part of. This was my first full year as a reporter, uh, a sports reporter for ABC 10. A lot of you have been with me for a while, so you know kind of my journey or have an idea of my journey going from kind of intern to radio to now moving into television while also building Locked on Kings over the last six or so years, however long uh, it has been. This has been just an unbelievably tremendous year for my career. Tremendous year for ABC 10. A Ridiculously tremendous year uh, for the Locked on Kings podcast. Your support is incredible for those of you who have been with me uh, for the entire time or been with me all season long. I appreciate you so much. For those of you who are new, you have no idea how much I appreciate you and hope you stick around all of season our work is just beginning believe me locked on kings doesn't go anywhere during the off season i'm still going to be with you as much as possible getting us through those long summer months all the news all the kings talk everything i have a lot of great stuff coming uh, so i hope you will continue to uh, to join me for that and i appreciate you uh, so much and look i i wanted to spend a, a second saying too like my style is unique my style is different Um, I wear being a Kings fan on my sleeve. I grew up a Kings fan. So for me to be a part of something as special as the Kings returning to the playoffs and experiencing playoff basketball in Sacramento again, it means more to me than maybe it means to uh, other media members. I'll be honest with you, sometimes it's frowned upon. I have people who tell me I need to not do it as much. And it's a tight line sometimes, a very thin line to balance between professional media and being a fan. But it's me being a fan that's that's I think allowed me to connect with so many of you in such an amazing way. So while I understand the advice that I'm given and I, and I hear that and I do take that to heart, um, I'm, I'm proud of the work that I do. I'm proud of the approach that I have. I'm proud of talking smack to f- opposing fans on Twitter if, if I can, or um, bonding with fans in any kind of way, high-fiving fans if I get the opportunity to do so, expressing the frustrations that I have with the team, expressing the joys that I have with the team. Hell, I was crying in Portland when the Sacramento Kings clinched the playoffs for the first time in almost 17 years. I'm right there with you. I'm proud of that. And I hope that's allowed you to somehow have a connection with me I've met so many of you talked with so many of you not just from Sacramento from around the country around the world I'm so thankful for all of you this has just been such an incredible incredible year uh, and I can't wait for next year and I cannot wait uh, for this offseason and whatever it brings just to continue to doing what I love uh, and, and and to do it for you to the best of my ability so thank you thank you thank you so much I'm not the one expressing or the only one expressing gratitude Sacramento Kings head coach Mike Brown uh after, the, uh, after the, the, the season ended, uh, had nothing but amazing things to say about Kings fans. Uh, and I thought you deserved to hear that too.
2: I'm telling you, man. These are best fans in the NBA. They, they, they are absolutely freaking phenomenal, and uh, I I wouldn't want to be around any other fans with the way these guys are. You know, we we owe them so much gratitude and appreciation that words can't even describe it. And you know, a lot of times you always say, "Hey, we're going to do this," you know, for ourselves. It's us in the locker room, but. Man, I, I mean, you, 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 when you have fans like this, you want to include them in what you're playing for. You want to do something special for them because they absolutely deserve it, with their passion and their energy that they bring, not just to the games, but when we're walking around town, pregame, game uh, I, I, I'm, I'm touched by by our fans. They're different, f- freaking phenomenal.
0: Mike hit the nail on the head as he has all season long. He's been just unbelievably uh, wonderful to work with and to talk to and to interview all season. And I look forward to many years of covering Mike Brown and his Sacramento Kings uh, going forward. Again, thank you so much for your support. Thanks for an incredible season. Thanks for riding this dramatic playoff wave with me. Looking forward to longer uh, playoff rides come next year and to see how the Sacramento Kings can build upon this. Uh, have yourself a wonderful rest of the day. Again, I'll be back tomorrow exit interviews so we'll hear from a bunch of different Kings players for the final time this season Uh, plus we'll start talking about and having questions and conversations about what this off season looks like and how the Sacramento Kings improve and where they go from here thank you again can't wait to have you join me on the next episode until then my name is Matt George you've been listening to Locked On Kings part of the Locked On Podcast Network